0: And we're missing our welcome music here. Hopefully, that will come on. Are we coming on, Pete? Having a little difficulty there? I thought it was just my end. We're having difficulties. But anyway, I will assume that we are on live. Hello, and welcome to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. We usually have welcome music there telling you are the, listening to the Wealth DNA, DNA Radio Show. But for some reason, I'm not hearing that. We're honored that you're joining us today. Whether you're on the East Coast and you're starting to think about lunch, you're on the West Coast sipping a cup of coffee, or you're in Europe and you're trying to review a few more emails before heading home, or if you're listening to the archive of this show someday in the future, I'm sure you'll be glad you joined us. Now, I've got a lot of questions for our guest today, and we also welcome questions from you, our live listeners I certainly hope our listeners living in the U.S. and U.S. citizens around the world had a great Thanksgiving Day feast here recently with the traditional foods as well as family and friends gathered around the table. The most important aspect in my mind is one that's being less emphasized around many Thanksgiving tables and should actually be the central focus, discussing the many blessings we should be thankful for and we are thankful for Not just the family and food and friendship, but so much more. I certainly am thankful for my health, my mission to help others live the American dream, and living in a country where I have freedom of religion, speech to bear arms, as well as controlling my financial destiny through property ownership and business ownership, which we'll be talking about a little bit today. If you don't fully appreciate these blessings, we could see many of them gradually disappear. And certainly actions by the U.S. government to increase regulations, manipulate the financial markets, monitor our conversations, correspondence, and transactions are very clear warning signs. My vision for Thanksgiving Day includes thousands of people thankful for the Wealth DNA radio show as a free and readily accessible means to increase their Wealth DNA and build their wealth. That would be a major step toward our goal which is to help a million people become millionaires. At the end of today's show, I'll uh, share more about my mission to help others live the American dream. I'll also share my definition of the American dream as well as what I fear the US government's definition has become. Incidentally, since our last show I read a book about uh, that most teenagers should actually read and I didn't know about it until recently, The Richest Man in Babylon a very short book, a fable, but nonetheless has many of the life lessons essential to building your wealth. During the summary of the show, I'll tie in today's topic to that book. I also attended an excellent two-day meeting organized by Weiss Research to focus on what they foresee for 2014. They had some great guest speakers in that program. My favorites included Arthur Laffer, and you may remember that name, Doug Davenport, uh, Larry Edelston. But I certainly learned a lot from each of the ten presenters. In those two weeks, I also received an excellent summary of the top 20 trends for the next decade. And if you remember John Mesbit's Megatrend books, do you remember those? You would certainly appreciate the information as much as I did. I plan to share a little of each of those trends, some of the uh, upcoming shows, and uh, also from that two-day seminar. So much to share, so little time. Now, I don't want you to think that everything being presented by these trend followers, economists, investment gurus is either useful or even true. I have to share the number one example that belongs in the wealth DNA hall of shame. Robert Schiller, a Nobel Prize winning economist, came up with a really dumb idea recently. His proposal is that everyone should have access to a financial advisor. And for those who can't can't afford to pay for a financial advisor, you and I, the taxpayers, would pay the cost of those financial advisors. It was such a dumb idea, I had to submit a comment on it, suggesting that there are many free resources and many more nearly free resources you can get in your public library that everyone has access to. If people spent less time watching mindless TV shows and took advantage of those resources, including the Wealth DNA radio show, they'd be able to afford financial advisors if they still needed one. Now, paying for someone's education or coaching does not mean it will be successful. Very often, what we receive for free, we value as much as we paid for it so yes there are some dumb ideas out there and the more i see the less faith i have in the nobel prize committees i guess in robert schiller's defense i should paraphrase my mother outlaw who said something similar to there are enough different opinions that each of us can have our own so he shared his opinion publicly doesn't mean the rest of us have to agree with him. Now Our topic today is true self-directed IRAs. Our regular listeners may recall in June of 2011, we had J.P. Dada on, who at that time was president of Entrust Arizona, sharing a lot of good information about these true self-directed IRAs. I, of course, remember the date well, since the very next day, my office and part of my home burned. It's one of those occasions that so will stay with me for the rest of my life. Today, we have another expert join us whose expertise is actually helping real estate investors take advantage of all of the appropriate technologies and financial instruments available. In many ways, his mission is very similar to the mission of the Wealth DNA radio show to inform and educate investors. I'll be introducing Andrew Waite very shortly. I'd like to take just a minute or two to put these true self-directed IRAs into perspective. First, Today's topic is very relevant to the series of shows we've been doing on alternative investments. Very often, one of the reasons investors don't take advantage of alternative investments is that they have funds available in their IRAs, 401Ks, or other tax advantage accounts. The administrators of those accounts tell the investors that alternative uh, investments are not permitted Within those accounts, and certainly our listeners who are members of the 2% Club know that just isn't true. Our mission today is to induct many more members to that 2% Club. The second point I've mentioned is that IRAs and 401ks have been controversial over the 30 years or so since they've been in prevalent use, and I've certainly used them at least that long. From my perspective, which is shared by about 50% of financial advisors, is that all savers and investors should take full advantage of these accounts. They allow us to reduce our current taxable income and allow us to grow our investments on a tax-deferred or tax-free basis. Now, we generally expect income tax rates to be lower when we're no longer working for money, so the money in those accounts can work for us and we can withdraw and pay taxes only on the amount we need each year. And once we're retired we'll be able to even better control our taxable income than while we work for money. The other half of the financial advisors will tell investors to never use these tax-deductible and tax-deferred IRAs. They state that tax savings today will be minimal compared to the amount of tax you'll be eventually paying on the money that you withdraw. So you're much better off either putting money into tax-free accounts, there you'll never have to pay taxes at all in the future, Or just pay taxes today and pay pay taxes as your portfolio grows. So these advisors are telling us that the privilege provided under U.S. tax law is actually a trap, a way to extract more of your tax dollars. Who do you believe? Now, I already stated which court I'm in. I take full advantage of these IRAs and we'll cover some tips on our next show when I share some ideas to manage your 2011 income taxes. Today is December 9, 2013. It is 9.08. My goodness, time flies. In Arizona, 11.08 on the East Coast and 17.08 in continental Europe. it's the only day ever like it, we'll do everything possible to make it a great one. You're listening to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki. The show airs every second and fourth Monday at 9 a.m. in Arizona. Now, I certainly hope you can eat, uh, join us each time we air, but if you miss a show like the earlier one on self-directed IRAs I mentioned, you can find it in the archives. Just go to WealthDNA.us where we list each of the shows, both upcoming and archived. Now, we welcome your questions and comments during the show. We recommend you use the chat window. And in that chat window, you can can, uh, put in your comments, your questions. We'll uh, see them and be able to add them in. Or you can call in 917-388-4162. It's also shown at the top of the screen. Now, by the way, the U.S. equity markets, which ended last week, near their record highs are off to a positive start. Asia was up with Japan over 2%. Europe, was, uh, which we'll just be closing here soon, was up slightly, and Brazil is up. Optimism everywhere. Let me introduce our special guest today. It's Andrew Waite. He's the publisher of Personal Real Estate Investor Magazine. He was born in New Zealand, started in his career in aviation product liability law, so he probably knows a little bit about law as well as the topic we'll talk about today. He worked 17 years in senior marketing, sales, and executive roles in technology startups and VC companies, which we've talked about in this show, and they were based in Texas as well as Silicon Valley. He's an expert in sales and marketing automation processes, sports marketing, sponsorship, and, of course, investment. Andrew also worked with Arthur Anderson in Customer Engagement Relationship uh, Management Systems. He has been involved in three successful publishing companies since 1987. This is his third. Personal Real Estate Investor Magazine was started in 2003 and his ninth title. So he has a bit of experience in publishing. Andrew's been a real estate investor as well since 1992. He's based in the Phoenix, Arizona area, but many people he assume he lives elsewhere since he's meeting with investors and holding events all over the world. Let's give a warm radio welcome to Andrew Waite. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Ron, good morning, and thank you so much for that.
0: I gave a brief... Well, I'm I'm doing pretty well, I, uh, you know, other than freezing. You know, us in Arizona, we're not used to this kind of weather, right? Uh, but uh, I gave a brief overview
1: of background. How do you introduce yourself to people that... Well, be- um, I uh, worked in the law, so essentially I'm a recovering lawyer, um, I worked. At, I worked at Anderson, uh, a couple of stints there. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, what, what my main experience is was in both of those cases, ending up with clients and working with clients in uh, technology companies. Because, uh, as you can well imagine. Most technology companies, by virtue of the fact they're technology centric, end up being driven by technology people that tend to have less of an understanding. You know, obviously, with the exception of people like Steve Jobs, of what ultimately their market is all about. And uh, that has been my uh, uh, my uh, mainly my direction. So when you look across the uh, the body of uh, of work I've done, whether Mm -hmm. it be in publishing, whether it be in Sports marketing, whether it be in venture capital, whether it be in uh, um, selling uh, customer relationship management consulting or whatever it's always going to the root of the customer need and trying to translate that into return on investment and uh, you know the impact on uh, dividends if they're a public company or profits if they're, if they're uh, not a public company not not to say that public companies don 't want profits, but uh, that leads to the dividend Absolutely. But it, it's always translating what they do into something practical. Excellent. Now, by the way, you know, our topic today is true self-directed
0: IRAs. Now, some of our listeners may wonder, if you were born in New Zealand, how can you know something about U.S. pension vehicles? How would you answer that concern?
1: Well, I've lived in the States for 40 years, but when you look around the world, um, everybody, most of the major Western societies have some sort of pension vehicle, either national pension vehicle or laws that focus at tax deferred income. Uh, New Zealand KiwiSaver, in Australia, it's superannuation. I don't know the name of it, of the current system in the U.K. Canada has one. But they are effectively a self-directed model to allow people to put money into a fund and then uh, allow them to actually self-direct it. One of the interesting things um, about the U.S., is that in all of these other countries, they are all monolithic governments and government uh, regulation. So you have a national approach to it here um, because, particularly when you move into the real estate business, um, there are 50 different jurisdictions, all of which are, you know have sufficiently different variants of it. The Correct. problem then arises here in the states is that um, because real estate is represented by the folks in each one of those 50 states, there is not a monolithic voice competing with Wall Street. So Wall Street has one, you know, huge megaphone saying, you know, securities are good, equities are good, etc., Everything else is bad. What they're saying really is, trust us. We know how to earn commissions from your trade. And so the notion of self-direction and the whole, you know, uh, vehicle that was created in 1974 with the uh, with the derivative tax rigs, um, uh, are basically an anathema to Wall Street and any sort of uh, uh, brokerage or commission based uh, financial advice because they cannot earn commissions in these alternative assets that uh, many people start to put in these uh, into these self directed ira accounts so well um, i've been well here set. for forty years I was blown away when I discovered self directed iras about ten years ago and was amazed that they were had been around so long and and very few people were taking advantage of them.
0: Exactly, and I think you've touched on a couple of the reasons that they aren't known very well. Now, Personal Real Estate Investor Magazine and Nexus Publishing are not your first rodeo. Uh, how did you get involved in a magazine related to real estate investing?
1: Um, at, at the time, well, it, how did I get involved in magazines first? I was uh, okay. reading a, reading a magazine about the industry that I was in, and there was an article written by some writer, on the subject that I was, you know, uh, deeply involved in. We were developing and building call centers for large uh, airlines, telemarketing Mm -hmm. companies, etc. And the article had been written by a junior writer who knew nothing about the subject but had been asked to write an article, and effectively they had, uh, you know, written nonsense. They would attached the foot bone to the head bone, and anybody with any knowledge of the market immediately saw the magazine, and, and more specifically the article is incredible. So I I uh, called up the publisher, and I said, look, you've got a problem here, but I'm not just going to call up and tell you you've got a problem. I'm going to offer a solution. I will write that article every month. And he wow. was thrilled uh, because he now got a free writer who had some expertise in the area. Well, uh, I was at the time, I was running marketing for this company, and uh, we became the dominant player in the marketplace. We were given the credibility, obviously, of this re- the recurring article. Right. And uh, it, I got promoted through, so I ended up as president running this company. So um, we sold that company, and uh, my, uh, the guy that I was writing for said to me, um, have you ever thought of being a publisher? And I said, no, I nothing, know nothing about it. And he jokingly said, I can teach you in three weeks. So I <laughs> found myself in New York um, involved in publishing and found exactly the same problem that I was talking about when I was talking about marketing. You know, they had a great idea. They didn't quite know how to articulate it as a value for their readership. And so we you know, proceeded to uh, reorient the business and you know, raise our profile and so forth. And that business was sold to United Publications in 1997 as the fourth largest print deal in the U.S. Um, and then we went off and launched another magazine uh, company uh, that wrote a magazine called Technology Investor, which was a NASDAQ mm-hmm. book. And what we did is we looked at uh, you know Nasdaq stocks like we had looked at the computer industry and uh, related areas, and we analyzed the stock with the same critical nature you would expect of a uh, of a writer in the technology business. Well, of course, Wall Street was a, was just astounded that we would call their you know their ugly IPO baby. Um, we would call it out as an ugly baby because every IPO they uh, you know bring to market there's uh, either advisors Wonderful. or or market makers, is, is absolutely perfect. What we found, because of our background, a lot of that stuff, when you looked at, say, something that was dependent on telephone companies, for example, to bring to market, and they didn't expect to deploy the, the underlying infrastructure to support this technology for another five years, why would you invest short-term in a company that had, had, whose destiny was controlled by somebody that was you know, well beyond their control and so forth? So we, started, we, 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 we approached it like that, and it just shocked Wall Street. But one of the things that was really interesting is that readers loved it. And as a result, in about eight months, we had uh, 350,000 individual investors with half a million or more of investable assets. Wow. So I and, my, I and my naivete go down to Wall Street and say, hey, guys, we've got 350,000 individuals with half a million or more of investable assets. They're smart, they're bright, they want stuff. And the response was, please don't bring them to us unless they want to give us $200 a month to stick in an IRA, because they're going to ask us and demand of us certain skills and expertise that we really don't have. And we prefer not to deal with, um, you know, uh, self-directed, bright uh, investors, because they actually just increase our overhead in trying to serve them. So if you can get... Get them to contribute 200 bucks a month to a to a passive IRA. We'll happily do business with them and hopefully make some money for them. But other than that, we're not interested. And it was That's an wild. absolute awakening to me. And um, we ended up selling that magazine. Um, I came home to Phoenix and was sitting around. You know, we were all sitting around my partners and I going, well, you know, what are we going to do next? And I started to <laughs> started to suddenly realize after 9-11 and, and uh, the dot-com disasters right. that my real estate hadn't been affected. And I went, that's weird. Why has real estate not moved, whereas mm-hmm. all of my equities and you know uh, mutual funds, et cetera, have been trashed? Right. And so I looked at it and realized that it was a counter-cyclical asset, and I wanted to understand what that meant. I also discovered... When I started contrasting it to uh traded assets that these non traded real estate assets, one of the advantages w- was the fact it was not um a conveniently traded asset Correct. and then we started to you know understand lots and more about it. so I went back and proposed launching a magazine around individual real estate investment because I thought it had some significant upside and a significant market well mm-hmm. last week. Um, I was at the uh, international uh, uh, i 'm sorry uh, Information Management Network conference here in Phoenix, mm-hmm. uh, Rio to Rental, and there were all the major institutions in the mutual fund business in New York, all just stumbling over themselves to get a piece of the single family rental industry. So what you know, average Americans have been doing for hundreds of years and in investing right. in rental properties it 's now gone institutional. Not to the extent, not to the expense of the individual. However, I mean, they, it's it's going Agreed. to remain very much a um, a asset class, if you will, that anybody can invest in, whether you're an individual, small cap, mid cap, or large cap.
0: So, so that, you uh, criticized Wall Street,
1: and now they're visiting you. Well, I mean, it, it's <laughs> not, a, not an issue of it's not an issue of Wall Street. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of reasons to criticize Wall Street, but there's a lot of reasons to criticize the real estate industry also. I mean, they're very, they're both very dysfunctional. The the um, the, the problem really is though, it, it comes back to the individual investor. There's nobody out there that looks after, looks out for your interests better than you do. And correct, you know, it's all very well this hands off uh, investing and hands off property management, uh, property investing, and all this stuff. It's a little bit of a pipe dream. Um, you really have to understand. It's all about, you know, it's 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 hands off, but it's it can be hands off, but it better be brain on um, because if you're not following what's going on, you're going to miss, and then people will take advantage of you. Fair enough. Fair enough. Before we forget,
0: uh, could you give our listeners contact information for uh, your website or the magazine
1: so they can uh, find out Certainly. a little bit more about it? So the magazine is personal real estate. Investor Magazine, and the website is www.personalrealestateinvestor, personal real estate investor that's with an O-R, mm-hmm. mag m a g dot com.
0: Correct. So just the magazine is shortened. Excellent. Some of our yeah. uh, listeners are multitaskers. Now it, you did a special edition. Recently so, they, on but they this can so, go mm-hmm. to
1: any Barnes and Noble around the country and many uh, uh, airport newsstands, and you'll find it in the business business section.
0: Very true very true and one of the um key things is that um uh in, the, you're, in that magazine, you recently had an edition, a special edition, talking about these self-directed IRAs. And you had make, this is probably the most comprehensive uh, review I've seen uh, ever done, so uh, congratulations on that. So I'd like to cover uh, you know, some of the aspects. We're not going to be able to cover all of it. But at the, in that article, you had a matrix or a table that posed a number of different questions related to these IRAs, and I thought that would be a great framework for, for following. And the first question you posed is what? So, let's start with that, and I'm sure in the majority of our listeners, especially those in the U.S., recognize when we say IRA, we're talking about individual retirement accounts and not some political opposition group, Uh, and that when I mention self-directed IRA, I add in the word true self-directed IRA to contrast it with what Uh, you know, the Wall Street companies will call self-directed. What are some of the big differences between that self-directed IRA that Wall Street talks about and the true self-directed IRA?
1: Well, I have been on the management side of a company that offered uh, IRAs to their clients, uh, to their staff and all the benefits associated with it. And what the, the, uh, the, the advisor, the financial advisor we had, I think it was MFS or somebody like that, their notion of self-direction was giving you an option of three or four different funds along with a company's stock, right? So it, right. Was, it was their idea of self-direction actually was choice, but it was limited choice, um, and Obviously, uh, you know, limited to products that they made money uh, uh, either uh, promoting and or uh, brokering. So it, it, was, it was not truly self-directed in any way, shape, or form short of, you know, here's four choices, multiple choice, choose, you know, three of four or something. But you can only choose the four, one of the four or three of the four. You couldn't choose anything that fell outside of their uh, idea of a plan. So um, th- that's that's their notion of self-directed. Exactly. Self-directed in the legal sense, uh, as um, you know, described in the, uh, uh, the 1974 regulation or act and regulations, is a- allowing the uh, client to invest in everything they can that is investment grade, short of collectibles, uh, antiques, uh, uh, a couple of other sort of. Um, Strange alternatives, but if it's precious metals, coins, uh, real estate, any of the non-traded asset classes, um, they're all uh, available, and that's the sort of um, notion of uh, self-direction and choice. You know, and you can e- even still choose equities. I mean, it's not, it's not at the expense of traded assets. It's both.
0: All right, so when when a financial advisor says you can only invest in uh, Wall Street products, uh, you're telling
1: us they they either don't know the
0: law or they're lying to us.
1: Well, it's not in their interest for for them to lose um, dollars to real estate because any any dollar invested in real estate is lost to Wall Street's ability to manage it. Now, before we need to move to the next broad question of why, let me remind our listeners, you're
0: tuned to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki. I look forward to you joining us every second and fourth Monday. If you missed some of the prior shows, like the ones we did on alternative investments, you want to re listen to them, we maintain an archive of shows on wealthdna.us. If you'd like to get an email reminder of the show, you can do one of two things. Send an email to me, Ron at WealthDNA.us. We'll keep you posted about future shows and events, or in the upper left side of the screen, just under the the boomer and the babes picture, click the follow button. They'll keep you posted on the great shows. Now, reminder, during the radio show, we welcome you and our other listeners to ask questions. The best is through the chat window. It is below the radio player on your screen, and the alternative is to call in 917-388-4162. Our topic today is true self-directed IRAs. We're discussing that with Andrew Waite, the publisher of Personal Real Estate Investor Magazine, who recently published an excellent special edition on this very topic. Okay, Andrew, let's discuss that next broad question, why. Now, most investors realize the reason for investing in IRA is to postpone or avoid taxation. Why else would someone use an IRA?
1: Um, the, the, the notion of using IRA obviously would be, and particularly the self-direction, is to be able to put in to the uh, retirement plan, products that give you higher returns, with security, I mean, one of the things that you'll right. hear from 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 uh, folks that uh, are detractors of self-directed IRAs is that asset classes that you can put into them as alternative asset classes just aren't that stable or, you know, look what happened to the market, it's a risky market, blah, blah, blah. And, and truly, they're running on emotion driven by the fact that they're not going to benefit from, you know, the buying and selling of these types of... Yeah, exactly. So that, 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 that's, that's the sort of... Um, pushback you get. Uh, but it's based on ignorance. It's not based on anything um, other than that.
0: All right. And if I put my um, uh, real estate investment into an IRA, I don't have to file all those attachments with my tax return. I don't have to do the Schedule E for those properties and depreciation schedules and all those things because it's a non-taxable account. So those sound that, like that, that is some true. good reasons to do it. Now, that an is, IRA... Yeah, and it's also a trust, okay? And that's one thing that's kind of forgotten under the tax law. It really is a trust. And that provides us some asset protection as well, correct? So I am protecting that IRA from something that's happening in my personal life, correct?
1: That's exactly right. Um, one of the things you will find when you start looking at real estate, though, as as the alternative asset and you compare it dollar for dollar and you know benefits, um, Benefit for benefit with traded assets, what mm-hmm. you suddenly realise <laughs> is that you can insure both the capital invested, and you can you uh, you're, you're uh, insured. The title of the property is insured. It's registered with a um, with a um, uh, a local uh, county recorder. You can insure the capital of the property obviously with a with a deductible against destruction. you can't insure the land but the, because the land uh, right. you know, under the title insurance is yours anyway, but the land doesn't you know cannot be destroyed short of a you know a flood or something like that that washes away that uh, portion of the riverbank you've got your house on but um you can insure against uh, liability, you can bring in a property manager to manage any rental uh, environment and they bring in their E&O and their expertise to make sure that vacancies are minimal, that that, uh, income is maximized. Uh, you can also buy rental insurance uh, so that your insur- your revenue uh, stream is uh, insured, um, just a whole series of things that when you take it across and compare you know a, 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 a stock certificate, the revenues derived in terms of dividends, etc cetera, etc cetera, none of those things exist in the uh, or, or seldom exist or exist as a shadow in the traded asset space so These things are kind of ignored, and nobody's really articulated them. Um, And and one of the things that I I benefit from here as a publication is having been on the traded asset side of publishing and knowing how that whole world works, well, uh, having an insight into some of how that world works, and then being able to compare it with the, the real estate business. But on the real estate side I mean the whole industry of real estate unfortunately is commission driven too and what you what you tend to find is that uh, folks you speak to in the real estate business don't aren't very articulate uh, articulate in some of these issues we are talking about here no it's a fairly I want to
0: it, it, no definitely so but you know within my ira you 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 focus on real estate obviously what are the kinds of things i can put in an ira i mean can i only i can't put my own house obviously that's one of those restrictions but you know what can i
1: buy in my ira on the real estate front um income property um you can buy notes you can flip property you can buy land contracts uh, a lot of variants on the same principle which is you know uh, re- recorded uh, asset that derives either income or uh, appreciation from market movement
0: okay and you know you tr- you triggered a couple thoughts i guess I, I should share with our listeners at, at the same time first of all in terms of the protection of the insurance and those things also the the, the trust does provide you a second if your if your teenage son has a car accident uh, the the L of your investments in the IRA are protected from that. So lawsuits are, you know, in essence, outside of that IRA are are separated. So your, your teenage son will not, you know, ruin your IRA, which is a huge, huge benefit versus having that investment property in your own name where it could be uh, attached by uh, by friendly lawyers. Uh, not to badmouth the lawyers uh, with somebody that has uh, played in that game before. Uh, then the uh, other thing that you touched on is one of the things that uh, some of the investment advisors will badmouth real estate say, well, it's not a registered security. See, it's therefore not regulated. It's not you don't really know what you're getting, et cetera, et cetera. What they fail to mention is the reason it's not, re- it's not a registered security. It's an exempt security. You have real assets. <laughs> it's, it's just yeah, one of those right. arguments and it's-
1: that's forgotten. And it's not a security in the sense that you're going to get paper evidencing a position in a company. I mean, that's exactly that's what you get when you when you when you invest in uh, in uh, traded assets. Is as you get you know evidence of it. Now, in the case of uh, in the case of real estate, what is, what is really important is when you compare a hundred thousand dollars invested in real estate and a hundred thousand dollars invested in the stock market. And this is a double-edged sword. So let's not mm-hmm. let's not sure. just run away with and assume that you know I'm I'm just a uh, acolyte of the whole real estate business because there are downsides, but there are ways mm-hmm. to uh, mitigate those downsides. First of all, um, 100 grand dropped into the real estate market is an expression of a position in that real estate. It is typically can if, unless you're going to buy for cash, and limit right. yourself to buying a you know a hundred thousand dollar quality. Um, uh, affordable home to rent to somebody, or a couple of fifty thousand dollar homes to rent to somebody. Um, that hundred thousand dollars is far better employed as a deposit, as you know, thirty percent or twenty five percent of an investment. So suddenly, you're actually controlling four hundred thousand dollars worth of uh, equity in terms, of, or four hundred thousand dollars worth of real estate in terms of you know two or three houses and spreading your risk. Or you may have gone into multifamily, or you may have gone into notes or something like that. Uh, but the point is, on the case of, of hard real estate where you uh, literally have title to the property, you can leverage that with conventional lending, with uh, you know mezzanine lending, and even if you're doing flips and short-term deals with hard money, which would be against the property versus uh, against the investor's credit capacity. But the point is, you get a lot more of, uh, return for your dollar because your return is on the four hundred thousand, not just the hundred thousand, as opposed to Wall Street, where the hundred grand is typically unleveraged, unless you know you're a margin player and so forth. Um, and you have the same problems with you know borrowing in the real estate business as you do it with, with borrowing and, uh, in, in in a margin account, in that the property can go the wrong way and suddenly Correct. you owe more than the, the property is worth. But that's that's the exposure there the second sure, no, definitely part of the risk side of it absolutely the second part of uh, when we speci- specifically talking about income property um, you get real income um, you know you, you hear people talk about cap rates on uh, income capitalization rates mm-hmm. on real estate you can literally sit down and work out how many years you have to derive income from the property to pay off the entire property so and all of your obligations, whether it's you know mm-hmm. uh, capturing back the deposit and paying off the mortgage. Whereas if you go over and look at the dividend income on you know uh, muni's or bonds or or uh, uh, you know a, a, a stock that pays dividends, it's trivial. There is you know if you if you did the cap rate calculation on dividends, it would be kind of embarrassing. So right. you're looking you know eight to eight to ten years. Your income should be paying off your rental property. If you go over into the stock market and look at the uh, income capitalization rate on a stock and the dividends, you know it's a thousand years. Correct. So right, I mean, this, right, right. not not even in the same you know scope. Um, the second, the third part of it is, of course. Um, you know the the fear of you know well tenants toilets and turnover. You're going to have to you know, manage these people. That's absolutely nonsense and scare tactics. In fact, it, it's far wiser to go out and invest in having a property manager do it. Maybe 75 bucks a month. It could be you know 100 dollars a month. But the point is, it's very very cheap. Uh, occupancy insurance, meaning they assure the property of being occupied and paying rent, for doing all the collections, doing any legal work, and of course having the E and O, errors and omissions insurance to protect you from any slip and falls and you know fair housing issues and all that stuff. So all of those uh, so-called liabilities you are sh- you're shielded from that. Particularly if you've bought this uh, property under an LLC that exists to the benefit of the beneficiary um, or the owner of the IRA. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of bits and pieces to do that. And then, of course, there's all sorts of technical tools now to improve occupancy, to optimize income, to manage uh, uh, maintenance and reserves and all those sorts of things. So it's become a very, very sophisticated business. And we're going to take a little bit of credit for this because we've been the only people that sort of got to the space started analyzing this stuff and talking like this. Now you see other people begin to talk about it. But, you know, they, they talk about it almost as parodying what we're doing as opposed to being able to do the compare and contrast to the traded equities market.
0: No, fair point. Let me go back to the leverage piece for just a minute. Because if I talk to my um, uh, stockbroker, he'll say, no, in your IRA, you absolutely can't take leverage. You can't do a margin account even on stocks. Uh, And you obviously can't invest in real estate because they they don't allow it. But uh, so how about in a true self-directed IRA? Can I do that leverage as well? All all day long. All day long. That's a key point most people don't realize because Wall Street told them they can't they don't realize the rules are different in a true IRA. Well,
1: there's there's two things that have happened. First of all, um, in the the lending space, in a self-directed IRA uh, that owns an LLC that owns the property, uh, mm-hmm. It must be non-recourse borrowing. Well, there's been a lot Fair of point. people out there you know, providing non-recourse lending because of the Chinese wall between the taxpayer and this tax deferred account, and right. you can't you know, suddenly oblige the taxpayer to uh, to secure the uh, the uh, the loan for the tax deferred account. So mm-hmm. that has mm-hmm. been around for a long time. The, the notion of non-recourse, and you can you can find non-recourse lenders. And the, their points are, you know, uh, there's a point or two on top of uh, conventional lending to get to that stuff. But it's very necessary if you're Well, that's it, that's yeah, that's just
0: a key point. Again, one of those huge, you know huge difference between true uh, self-directed IRA and the really self-directed IRA as appointed by the Wall Street firms. Now let's switch to the question. Well, well but hang on,
1: I, I, oh, I, sure, I, need, I need to go. I need to go through uh, the next step in that statement.
2: Oh right, so but you mentioned just
1: the the record. I'm sorry, you're, good point. So here's what's happened though. Um, as of about six months ago, Cerberus, which is one of the big Wall Street, you know, mavens of uh, of, of fund hedge and fund. hedge fund operation, operation, launched a non recourse lending arm um, called First Key Lending. They are encouraging real estate investors to refinance rental portfolios five or more doors, um, half a million or more in in. in in lending uh, the requirements, all non-recourse, and they love self-directed IRA LLCs because they see the the self-directed IRA retirement, LLC-protected, tax-deferred, as a sacrosanct investment. The the self-directed IRA beneficiary who is making these decisions regarding where that uh, IRA is invested has a far higher sense of compliance and um, respect for you know, repaying uh, loans than sure. does a homeowner. So it, it's Very kind true. of interesting. That's what they're finding out. So there's a lot of people you know, beginning to validate this market on the Wall Street side because it's an asset that they can get much higher returns out of, uh, I mean the, the loan. They can get much higher returns out of in a much more stabilized market. Than they can on the stock market or you know foreign exchange or whatever they're trading in.
0: I'm glad you added that. I was not aware of that, so I've got that. I made a note of that. I always learn something uh, on these shows. People think I'm just uh, kind of sharing information, but I clearly learn as well. But let me switch you to how. Cause there's a kind of another broad question that was covered in your in your uh, special edition. Uh, it. If I have a self-directed IRA, as it's called at Fidelity, Vanguard, or Schwab, uh, how can I convert that to a true self-directed IRA? Do I just call Fidelity and say, "Hey, can you switch me over to a self-directed IRA, you know, true self-directed well, IRA?" Well,
1: they have tended to get out of that business mm-hmm. because they're not very good at the servicing of self-direction. So, in the case of, I believe, Fidelity or Schwab they have subcontracted or defer the actual self-direction um, and the custodial services to people that are very specific at that. Now, right. let me, let me, you, you mentioned a company um, uh, that, that one of your previous speakers um, was, was, was associated with. Yes. You must be mm-hmm. very, very careful when you select a so-called self-directed IRA company. If you are going with an administrator, meaning they are not a bank or they don't Mm -hmm. have a charter, and they are merely an administrator, you're paying two fees to get that account managed. The administrator fee, who then must use a custodian. It is far simpler to go straight to a custodian who has the service and advice capability and eliminate the need for a third-party administrator. Most of the people that you meet, you know, around promoting their services of self-directed IRAs, unfortunately, are administrators. And unless you're a custodian with a bank charter, not only are you uh, adding, a, you know, overhead to the actual process, but you are not regulated by the, um, the, uh, the Comptroller of Banks and the IRS. You're merely regulated by the IRS after the fact and that is not a strong um, supporting or compliance uh, environment for an individual investor. So go to a custodian. Don't waste your time on a TPA. You'll pay, pay uh, more than you need. Okay, before we dig in deeper, for the listeners that just tuned in, you're listening to the
0: WealthPenia Radio Show. And I'm your host, Ron Naraki. You can listen to the earlier portion on the archive, or if you missed prior shows, you can find them there www.wealthdna.us Today our guest is Andrew Waite Our topic today, true self-directed IRAs and Andrew recently published a special edition on this very topic in personal real estate investor magazine Okay Andrew, now if I want to start one of these true self-directed IRAs uh, do I have to start up by contributing the $5,000 a year until and wait until it grows into real money? Not at all Or can I roll Not over?
1: Enough. You can roll over um, and you just you can take your entire existing uh, IRA or four hundred one k and and move it into a self directed uh, regulatory environment. And you can move part of it as well. So you you really no, have, yes uh, all the, all, the all, of, all all of all or a portion. that's that's totally acceptable. Um, and and any of these uh, uh, custodians with service capabilities will show you how to do this. They'll okay. walk you through it. They want they want to they want to help you manage your money. Okay,
0: and obviously that rollover, and they're going to know those guidelines to make sure you're not triggering a taxable event or something. Oh, that's the wrong way. They're, they're, you don't take it very cash concerned about
1: down. they're very concerned about both tax events and prohibited transactions.
0: Okay, and I guess if you should add one more thing, which is if you're working for a company and you have a 401k and you're actively contributing to it, they may not allow you to roll over that 401k or only a portion of it. So so it depends on your company's rules, but it's not an IRS rule or a regulation that doesn't allow you to, to roll over 401k. Your individual company may have policies around it. So I guess
1: yeah, that, I should add that. Yeah, that'll be a collaboration with their advisor um, that's probably a restrained trade.
0: Okay. Now you you already started touching on kind of the which
1: provider I would
0: choose. You you, you mentioned custodians versus administrators, and that's that's good. Um, but you know how do I how do I find these guys? I mean how do I you know obviously your magazine is one of those. But if somebody doesn't have a copy of your magazine at this point, uh, how do they find those uh, true self directed
1: IRA Just, uh, custodians? Just Google Google self directed IRA custodians.
0: Okay, and ignore the ads at the top, which are from the Vanguards and the Schwabs and the. Uh, the the, yes. the big players in the in the in the yep. traditional Wall Street uh, definition that we talked about earlier. Okay, now I also know there are these solo 401k's plans that businesses can set up. Uh, can I do that within an I within a, a self directed environment as well?
1: Um, there's there's quite an argument about which is the better way to go. The answer is is, is superficially yes, but you need to do research uh, and and with a a, uh, tax advisor who understands self-directed IRAs. Big warning here. A lot of these uh, CPAs and tax advisors just don't like uh, self-directed IRAs, not because they are bad, but just cuz they don't understand them and they don't keep up with the rules they should but they just don't i mean i even had a cpa as recently as uh, 6 months ago tell me he didn't know why we even bothered with uh with uh, self directed iras because it was simpler just to pay the capital gains and move on and i'm <laughs> sitting there going uh oh, does this man not you know understand the uh the the compound the miracle of compounding interest and and the rules of the uh, the richest man in Babylon because that was a you know totally counterintuitive exactly but exactly. my conclusion was he was lazy I mean that was my conclusion sure it's not his money he's paying taxes with that, that's right that's exactly right but it was much simpler for him to manage that if somebody paid taxes.
0: Okay, so Solo 401k is one of those things to look at. How about uh do I have the option of uh you know, I can have Roths and traditional IRAs and and, and SEP IRAs and all of those things uh within the Wall Street firms? Can I do that also yes, in the absolutely, uh, self-directed Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. all the same rules apply. Um okay. the, the the real issue the real issue is, you know, is it a IRA or is it self-directed IRA in a true sense of the word? And then once you're into the true uh, the uh, the self directed i r a in the true sense of the word you then have a broader selection of uh of assets that you can put into that with obviously, you know, uh, the prohibited um, transactions and the prohibited types of uh, assets such as collectibles, art, and stuff like that, which sure. the IRS doesn't really consider as investment grade. Um, I, I am not sure. This is something I've never asked, and I don't know the answer okay. to this. Uh, maybe this is something that uh, if 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 you had a... Um, if you had a uh, traditional IRA and the advisor decided he was going to put um, a real estate-based uh, stock or real estate or direct ownership of real estate into the into the uh, IRA, I am mm-hmm. sure he could do that through either a private placement, uh, a uh, a note, or some of those other things. The problem that has manifested itself, and and, and probably the biggest objection, is or two of them, is they don't know much about the asset class. And second of all, they don't earn uh, commissions because you cannot just uh, gratuitously pay a a tax advisor or a financial advisor a real estate commission or fee because that's regulated by the Department of Real Estate and they don't have licenses that allow them to be paid. Um, What we did see for a while there was some of the smarter financial advisory firms Included somebody on their staff who had a real estate license, so they could be paid fees. Um, hmm. I haven't heard of that um, recently because sort of they've all sort of you know gone back to their traditional business.
0: So, yeah anyway. no I'm not I'm not aware of it either so I won't try to 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 respond on that one. obviously it's something I can I can be checking on in the future uh now what are some of the criteria I'd use in choosing between custodians uh, I assume cost would be one of those uh location uh although I do I get, do I really care about location or or uh no you can do of all stuff by stuff. Internet.
1: you can do all of this stuff over the internet I mean it's it's you know the the, the, the notion of local presence is is, is you know, do you do you go to your bank every day to make every deposit and every withdrawal? I mean, I've I've become so uh, internet uh, based on my um, on my uh, banking uh, services, and it's the same sort of thing. I, you know, I don't get a lot of joy going talking to the teller. I mean, that's not what that's not what our lives are about. Yeah, but you, you and I both have a little bit of gray hair, and so people would assume we always just go to the bank. We don't use the internet, right? <laughs> well. I mean, <laughs> there's there's an assumption some of us do do that, but uh you know what like. The reality may be different.
0: Uh, One of the things I guess I I should mention, I always like to use the airline analogy, because when you ask people, you know, what criterion I should use in selecting, uh, and if you ask them about airlines, they talk about frequent flyer miles, flight schedule, prices, those kinds of things. But they forget the most important thing, which is safety. We all kind of assume safety. So I assume in picking a custodian, their financial standing, any complaints against them or problems they've had legal, those would be all worth researching before you make your final
1: selection, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Now we're not going to have enough time to discuss some of the other questions, like where um, and uh, watch out for and when. Which are important questions.
1: But I have yes, a, I I have a, I'm a I'm solution. Yes, I'm listening. So that solution is that document is available. The um, the, the self-directed IRA uh, investor reviews uh, document mm-hmm. is available, and I think I think we're charging like nine ninety-five for it. It's a sixty-page discussion. Right. Um, by by our advertisers, by the way, and, and what what we we know about self directed IRAs could be put in a symbol. What they know about self directed IRAs obviously is a significantly more. So what we did is we went out and said, "Look, we're going to do this investor study," mm-hmm. um, and it, it's designed to educate people and gather up you know twenty, thirty of these people, uh, administrators, TPAs, uh, investment providers within the context of IRAs. And talk to them about what, you, you know, how, why, what, etc., when, where, all those sorts of things. So we assigned uh, articles to each one of these guys, and okay. they wrote the article. We we uh, edited it and you know put in brief these are the lessons. So that document is available to anybody, and the way to get it is www.personalrealestateinvestormag.com personal real estate investor and go to the shop tab and look under supplements and special reports.
0: Shop tab. Okay, excellent. All right, that, shop, so that's, shop tab. Yep, yep, yep. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so that's that's already uh, one of the things I wanted to make sure we t- covered is uh, that is the uh, link to the, um, the website. Uh, people want to uh, find out more, and also now they can actually pick up this edition, which is you know really does cover a lot of these topics very very well. There's just no way in an hour we could cover that much information. Um, right. But, uh, you know, I guess one of the key summary points that I'd want to highlight and get your agreement on is uh, regardless of, you know, where people decide to invest or, uh, you know, exactly when they do it and those kinds of things, the the broader range of alternatives they can do within their true self-directed IRA will give them a huge diversification from uh, the Wall Street uh, alternatives that they've probably been dealing with so far, Correct.
1: Uh, yes, and here's something that's very important. Um, you know, we've just gone through a, a so called slump in the market, right? And that yes. slump started in 2008, and it, you know, probably shore off about 40% of uh, single family real estate investment value. If it was an income property, a rental property, generating market income, mm-hmm. the property value did not. Understand that it was still generating income, correct, and that income, if provided, the property remained re- 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 rented was constant through, the, through that downturn. That property, the the home price index has now almost returned to mean, almost <laughs> almost everywhere in the country. Mm-hmm. So if you picked, you know, a a B or better house in a B or better neighbourhood with a B or better rental income. Your house didn't care what it was worth because you were generating that income you know and and capitalizing that income rate and still paying off the house, no matter what the value is, because typical rental purchases are buy and hold, and that hold often mitigates you know ups and downs in the market and I will tell you when you look back at history in this market, the average appreciation no matter what, always modulates out at about 4 to 5% inexorably over all years, even the down years. And that goes back to 1929 when we started tracking this data. Exactly. And, I, and it gets back to your point you talked about back
0: in the uh, in the, even the late 1990s when you talked about it as, as counter-cyclical. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, not just counter-cyclical, okay, we've had some periods where they've kind of followed. But as you said, if you've got the cash flow coming in, you don't need to sell. You don't care about what the value is today because you know it's going to be higher that's
1: right. later on. And you mentioned, you mentioned Robert Schiller and his uh, suggestion. Yes he uh, well, He's one of the worst people for real estate, because what he's doing is mark-to-market analysis and, uh, of about 5% of the market, or it's in fact even worse than that, it's only about one, it's less than 1% of the market per month, and he's trying to impute the entire value of a, a city like uh, Phoenix based on a sample of like 4,000 houses and sale pairs, and his, his, his math um, is just uh, the way he does it. His st- statistical analyses are just scary, and make no sense at all. Yet, he was the only one doing it, and by virtue he was defined as a uh, as an expert. expert. And he was the you know the headline every month of uh, how bad the market was because X Y Z had happened. So, uh, not not a particularly helpful person under any circumstance. Now, I have to just one tongue in cheek uh, question
0: I have to ask you uh is uh, you talked about this uh, person that wrote the article. It was terrible, you contacted the editor which got in the whole publishing business i'm I'm uh, hoping that wasn't Robert chiller that wrote that article
1: no 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 no, no, it was the tech in a technology space. <laughs> but although so he's, it just you know, proves has, there are
0: bad bad people in every uh, every sector
1: well he, he no but he remember he 's an academic and it 's published I will parish. And he has to, you know, he was, he was the uh, rational exuberance guy about five w- weeks before Alan, uh, uh, Alan Greenspan picked that up. And Correct. he was uh, analyzing the uh, technology market five weeks, uh, six weeks ahead, and he felt there was some, you know, exuberance in it that was overstated. But he was only five weeks ahead of the crash, yet he is credited with, you know, forecasting the crash. Um, years earlier, about 10-15 years earlier, he was trying to make market in California wines and create an index around California wines. So this guy's for years been trying to create indexes that somebody will pick up and publish. The problem with Schiller is the case Schiller index is used by macro markets, which he is a, which is a fund uh, that's I, fortunately it's not doing very well that trades in future value of real estate. Real estate indexes. Mm, He is one mm -hmm. of the owners of that fund. So, you know, he's making money on the publishing and he's making money on the trade. So, I I just, people don't point that out a lot. But Robert Schiller's a little bit conflicted. Let's just leave it at that.
0: Exactly. Andrew, we've covered a lot in this show. Obviously, we can't cover all of the aspects that you've covered in the magazine appreciate that uh, that tip that we can get a copy at uh, 995 or whatever it is on the uh, shop tab of uh, of the magazine website Uh, what are some of the key points you'd either want to emphasize or maybe add related to these true self-directed iras
1: get curious go ask people lots and lots of questions and, uh, you know, understand from what, what their, their answer based on their agenda, um, and then, you know, do your own vector analysis and come up with a conclusion. I think self-direction is an unsung, um, an underappreciated strategy, and when you apply the change in strategy and you use real estate, wisely bought real estate from, you know, wise, wise advisors, your returns are probably double that of Wall Street your security is huge compared to uh Wall Street product and you can insure just about everything from capital to income
0: fantastic really appreciate you having you on this show and taking the time to uh, to meet with us you did a great job not only on that special edition but i'm now going back to all of my past editions that i have stacking up here of the magazine uh, and as i as i recall like the magazine subscription is only about $30 a year for us residents and i don't know it's probably 95 Okay, and then uh, even internationally, it can be ordered as well, we're talking about seventy five eighty dollars or something like that for somebody people. well, well if, if you're US on if Canada. you're on
1: the iPad, if you're on an iPad or a Android or any tabula, it's only nineteen ninety
0: five yeah, that just that means I have to carry that thing around all the time and reads, but okay, understand, so you really have bo- a couple different options, both the paper version, which I still prefer um and obviously cost more to mail uh and the electronic version, so super, really appreciate the time. Andrew, and hopefully Thank you'll you, join Ron. us again on other topics in the
1: future. Appreciate it. Thank you so much.
0: God okay, bless. Good talking to you. Thank bye you. Bye. Let me do a quick summary here. We've indeed covered a lot related to true self-directed IRAs, so I'll just take a couple minutes to summarize the key points that Andrew made. And let me tie them into the book that I mentioned And he mentioned as well, The uh, Richest Man in Babylon. Nearly all of the advertising and marketing you see in in, uh, IRAs is done by the Wall Street firms using the money from the commissions and fees that investors like you and I would pay to attract more investors. Hmm, Ponzi scheme, huh? So you wouldn't be surprised if... Wall Street is telling you this is what IRAs are, and you can't do things like alternative investments, uh, and that includes real estate, commodities, precious metals, managed futures, private. I mean, I mean we've talked about this over the last uh, year in, in, in a great detail on this show, but the Wall Street companies don't want you to know you can invest in them. So don't be surprised. They tell you you can only invest in funds, uh, investment funds, stocks, and bonds. Now, if you ask them about setting up a margin account or using leverage in your IRA, they tell you it's not allowed. And they may even tell you it's not allowed under IRS law. Now, you can debate whether the investment advisor lied to you or they just didn't know the regulations. But very few people know that you can use leverage within an IRA. There is something we didn't talk about, which is UBIT. We'll talk a little bit about it on our next show, the unrelated business income tax. But uh, don't let that scare you. Uh, using leverage in your IRA still may make sense for you. Now, earlier, I referred to the 2% Club, who know about true self-directed IRAs, and now, after hearing this show, you are officially inducted to the 2% Club. As regular listeners, you know that only 2% of the population ever becomes truly wealthy. And it may just be coincidence that only 2% know about self-directed IRAs. Now, you certainly don't have to be wealthy to take advantage of these accounts, although the annual fees... Are uh, uh, you know there are some annual fees, so a very small self-directed IRA may not be cost-effective. Uh, our investors occasionally ask me when does it make sense to switch over, and I usually use about fifty thousand dollars as a break point to move from just having a Wall Street IRA over to a true self-directed IRA. But you know there could be personal circumstances that change that. Now, if you read the book, The Richest Man in Babylon, you recall one of the key lessons is that you should keep at least 10% of everything you earn, and you put that money to work so it earns money for you, and its earnings earn money for you. Some people refer to this principle as pay yourself first. What if you took that 10% and put it into a traditional IRA? Not only would you avoid the temptation of spending it, because it's put away and not accessible directly in cash today, but it would actually increase the amount of disposable income you have, since you pay less in income taxes. Now, unfortunately, neither Arkad, the richest man, nor Algamish, the moneylender who shared this principle with Arkad, had IRAs available to them. If you're a U.S. taxpayer, you certainly do. And as Andrew mentioned, many other countries have similar vehicles. Now, the final aspect I wanted to share with you um, today is that, uh, well, actually, let me, let me touch on Algamish for just a second before I do that. Uh, Algamish, uh, the, the uh, money lender in that book, if he could have used a true self-directed IRA, he certainly would have. You see, the key aspect of the real estate fund I run, and one of the important considerations is protecting those loans from lawsuits, lawyers, and other potential creditors. So an IRA would have been a perfect, ideal, I'd say, investment vehicle for Algamish had he had it available. So even the richest man in Babylon and his mentor could have done better if you know the tax rules today. The final aspect I want to share to you is a little bit about my mission. I mentioned at the beginning that I help others live the American dream. And owning your own home has always been a key component of the American dream. So many families lost their homes during the Great Recessions. Many of them are good people, did the right things, fell on hard times, either companies closed, jobs eliminated, or property values plummeted, and they exited. Well, they would like to own one again. Well, my definition of the American Dream is for the poor to become rich, and whether it's those families who want to own a home again, or investors who want to want to diversify their portfolio and increase their returns without taking on additional risk, my mission is to help those people, help them live the American Dream. So now you know my definition: to help the poor become rich. Now, my concern when representatives in the U.S. government talk about narrowing the income gap or the wealth gap, I fear their definition of the American dream is for the rich to become poor. That never was and should never be the American dream. Now, incidentally, I'm not implying that only people living in the U.S. can live the American dream. While I I was living in Europe for 13 years, I occasionally mentioned to people that I'm living the American dream right here in Europe. Now my personal mission is to continue to help our listeners live the American dream wherever they live by helping poor people excuse me poor people become rich and helping the economy through that and helping the global village expand that global village we live in. Now as Arkad the richest man in Babylon mentioned to his friends, wealth is not a limited resource. The more you have doesn't mean that others have less. You see, if someone builds their ideal home on a vacant parcel of land, they spend part of their wealth and share it with with the people who help them build it. They buy the materials, they pay the laborers, and the land goes up in value. And even after paying all of those people, the house is worth at least as much as they spent on it. So the money that they spent, they still have in the form of a house, And the wealth was distributed. So, in other words, the wealth didn't go away. It expanded. A principle that's totally missed by governments. On our next show, we'll be sharing some tips related to 2013 your 2013 tax bill specifically which uh, will also help in your uh, tax planning for 2014 and beyond we certainly can't cover every possible aspect but with your help sending in questions or suggesting topics that are important to you we'll try to make 2013 and 14 some of the best years ever for our listeners now admittedly I'll focus specifically on the US tax laws but certainly many of the principles apply In other parts of the world, for our listeners in other countries, it may be eye-opening to see how complex the U.S. tax code has become. Day after day, U.S. Congress seems to add complexity and not eliminate it. Remember one of the best ways to increase your wealth. Tune into this show twice a month. We share the investment fundamentals, share some great ideas, and help diversify and grow your portfolio. Certainly, today, fit that definition. The next Wealth DNA radio show will be the fourth Monday of December. That's Monday, December 23rd, 9 a.m., Arizona. Same place, same time. Now, we always have the lineup of guests and topics on WealthDNA.us, and there you'll find the archive of past shows. If you have some comments on today's show, additional questions, suggestions, or uh, maybe some tax topics you'd like us to address, Or if you haven't received my emails reminding you about this show, just send me an email, ron at wealthdna.us. We'll keep you posted about future shows and events. Happy investing. And maybe that should include a true self-directed IRA.
2: You've been listening to Wealth DNA with Ron Naraki on Arizona Boomer Radio. Arizona Boomer Radio is produced by the Boomer and the Babe Incorporated and can be heard Monday through Friday. You can sign up for their online magazine at boomerandthebabe.com.